Welcome to another edition of The Talk Show. A very special edition of The Talk Show. Why is that? Because I just got my new microphone, as you'll hear me talk all about in a minute. Guess what? That makes this official. This is a real podcast now. So hope you guys enjoy it. Um, in this episode, I'm going to talk some NBA. I'm going to get real personal about my life and talking about the NBA. Um, and then I'm going to throw some football in there and a little bit of everything. So I hope you enjoy because I'm talking about the NBA, I obviously brought up the obligatory LeBron contract situation and that speculation that comes with that. Just ignore it. I don't like doing the fake sports news story stuff, but here it is. I think it's a good episode. Hope you enjoy. See you at the end of it. So I never know how to start these things, but now I have the perfect opening. I got a new microphone. I basically have a studio now. Actually, my wife got me a microphone. I really appreciate it. I was doing some research for about a day and a half. And then she's like, oh, you like that one? I'm going to get it for you. Supportive spouse. It's the best part of the business. <laughs> like that. I'm in the business. Anyway, I already recorded um, my new ad for it for Anchor. Um, so if you thought that sounds good, if you think this sounds good, the next few episodes, I'm probably going to be playing with the settings a little bit, seeing how it sounds. Hopefully, I don't pick up too much with the new microphone. Hopefully, everything sounds crisp and good. Um, but I think it will really improve the overall quality of the podcast. Now, what I want to do first is talk about my awesome article. So I sent it to a million people to read, and then a bunch of you heard me read it poorly, but I read it, um, and not in Morgan Freeman's voice, to many people's disappointment. Um, but I thought it was a pretty good article. <laughs> I was obviously very proud of it. So people were coming at me kind of just with reaction. Uh, to the article. So I had some people reacting to it saying, have you met a Browns fan? Have you met a Lions fan? The answer to that question is, yes, I've met both. And yes, those are franchises that are tortured. I agree. That doesn't make the Jets and my experience any less tortured. And what's different about the Jets is just when you think they might do something right or get something done in a positive way, they find a new way to surprise you, shock you, and screw it up. So my father, who's been a Jets fan far longer than I have, heard the episode, read the article, and he said to me, he's like, yeah, this is perfect because say the Jets, for some crazy reason, by some way of miracle, made it to the Super Bowl. Not only did they make it to the Super Bowl, they're up by 70 points with a minute and a half to go in the fourth quarter. What would be more likely to happen? The Jets win the Super Bowl or some crazy natural disaster kill everyone in the stadium? And I said to him, the natural disaster and it's not even close i mean that is the attitude of jets fans that is the attitude we have because they pull you in they make you think we are going to be so good this time and then they just kill you they rip your heart out and they just show you how terrible they are so what's happening now is adam gase is coming out and saying you know this is my fault i was supposed to develop darnold it didn't work buddy you're two years too late on that. I mean, you can't save your job now. I don't think you're going to be getting a job for a long time. I don't know what this management team is doing, but they need to get a coach. I hope they get Eric Bieniemy. but what are the odds of them getting him now? Other teams are already way ahead of them. Why wouldn't Bieniemy just go to the Houston Texans and coach a great quarterback in Deshaun Watson over there? That was a team that was in the playoffs last year. There's no reason for him not to go there and just be amazing. They'll make the playoffs again next year if he goes there. So why come to New York to the circus and have to deal with the media, which is a part of it? I know the Browns are tortured. I know the Washington football team are a tortured franchise. I get all that. But 
the difference is you don't have the New York media down your back every single day. So there's all different things that play into it. Part of the reason the Jets can't make any decisions is because there's a merry-go-round. It starts with you hire a coach. He's a bad coach. Two years in, he convinces you, I can keep my job. It's the GM's problem. GM gets fired. You hire a new GM. Now the GM hires the next coach after that coach, the former coach, inevitably gets fired. Then the GM gets fired again, and then the coach gets fired, and the GM, and the coach, and the GM, and the coach. There's no continuity. Um, There's different people making the decision every time. There's an ownership that likes to be very involved in the decisions. This current group with Woody and Christopher Johnson, which is never good. I always thought owners should kind of be hands off. The best proof of that is go look at the Rangers and the Knicks. James Dolan owns both of those teams. He's very hands-on with the Knicks. He's very hands-off with the Rangers. Rangers are a successful franchise. And the Knicks, we all know, are not. So that's how I feel about the Jets. And even if the Jets somehow, by way of miracle, get Trevor Lawrence and they don't trade the pick to Dallas for Dak Prescott and his $40 million contract and torn ACL, or they don't win a couple of games and get the second overall pick in the draft, what in our history will make you think that Lawrence is good? And if he is good, if they, again, somehow, some way, just make it to an AFC championship game, a Super Bowl, all they'll do there is rip your heart out one more time. Yesterday, there was a football game, though. Today's Thursday. There's no Thursday night football. But yesterday, there was a Wednesday afternoon football game. And guess what? It looked like a Wednesday afternoon football game. It sucked. I mean, it was just so bad. Um, The Ravens obviously weren't whole. Very much so. Uh, Neither were the Steelers. But maybe that's what happens. You don't practice. The whole team gets COVID. No one's going to look that good. That's just how it goes, I guess. It's hard to be 11-0 in the National Football League. I get it. But I don't think we've seen a worse 11-0 team in NFL history. I mean, what happens is with teams and with things in general, things get so overrated, which I think the Steelers did because they're 11-0. Good reason to be overrated. And then they get so far underrated because, oh, they can't be that good. They're really not that good. So they get so far underrated and everyone's like, they stink. When the truth obviously lies somewhere in the middle. They don't stink. They're not amazing. I think they're one of the best teams in football. They're not 11-0 good, but they're probably like 9-2 and good, which is still really, really good. You know who's not good? The Browns. The Browns are the worst 8-3 and team I've ever seen in my life. I mean, that team is terrible. Baker Mayfield stinks. Nick Chubb is awesome. Their defense is awesome. Their receivers are awesome. So I guess not the team is terrible. They don't have the quarterback to win a Super Bowl. They will get knocked out in the first round of the playoffs. I don't want to guarantee it, but at this rate, they will. I mean... Every single game, it feels like, how'd they win that game? They look so bad. And they did it again this past week. And if you're talking about teams, last year, the Packers went 13-3. and And I didn't believe in them for a second. I thought they looked terrible going 13-3. and And that's with one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, in my opinion. And speaking of Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, are they now the team to beat in the NFC? I mean, I still don't fully trust the Saints. The Seahawks were horrendous. I thought they looked terrible. So are the Packers the team to beat in the NFC? If Rodgers plays like this, they are. Rodgers right now, if he plays like that, he's better than Mahomes, only he can't win MVP because he had the games against Tampa Bay where he just looks horrendous. The game against Indiana, they lost, and the game against Jacksonville. So he can't win an MVP because of those three games. I know it's only three games, but Mahomes has zero bad games. What are the odds he's going to have a few bad games? For the rest of the season or at all 
in my opinion, for the Chiefs not to win the Super Bowl, what has to happen is they have to look really bad in a particular week. They don't look bad two weeks in a row. They barely look bad two halves in a row. So why would anyone think that they're going to win a Super Bowl? Um, Why they're not going to win a Super Bowl? I think it's obvious that they will win. Um, Just because Patrick Mahomes is so good. That team is so good. But if you bring it back to the Packers, the Packers were a team who won a Super Bowl, probably looked like they were set up for a dynasty. Rodgers was doing some of the most crazy things. And if you think about it, Jordy Nelson was young. Since they, they brought in Randall Cobb, they brought in other guys. While the players shuffled, there were always great players on that team. And yet they only won that one Super Bowl. So maybe they don't win again. And speaking of teams that won a Super Bowl and then look terrible afterwards. I've never seen a team this shortly after the Super Bowl with really the same places, the same pieces, same starting quarterback, same head coach, look so far removed from a Super Bowl like the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles fans probably don't even remember that they won a Super Bowl. You know, if I won a Super Bowl, if if the Jets won a Super Bowl, it's kind of funny to think about. But if the Jets won a Super Bowl, I think for the next 25 years, I'd be like, we won a Super Bowl, dude. I don't need anything else. Let's go 0-16 every year. I don't care. I mean, I'm not speaking from experience, but the Eagles won a Super Bowl and the fans are like, oh my God, this team sucks. This coach is the worst ever. I hate this quarterback. And I get the quarterback isn't the quarterback who won the Super Bowl for them. But still, that's the guy who got you really far in the regular season was so good. I think Carson Wentz, and this is crazy. He's a guy who gets paid millions of dollars. I understand that. He needs a break. He needs to sit down just because I think that he needs a mental break. This is a guy who just looks so bad in every way. He's not reading fields. He's not reading defenses. He said that's obviously getting to his head. If he's saying to the media that it's getting to his head, it's obviously getting to his head. So it's a guy who just needs to take a step back from the game. Just maybe just sit down the rest of the year. He obviously has all the talent in the world. He needs to recover a little bit and he'll be back. I think he will be back. I think he's a really good quarterback. I think he can be a really good quarterback again. Um, I think that's a really good coach. That team could be back next year. I hope. But for now, they stink. And so we'll see what happens. Okay, now I want to take a break to talk about Anchor. And then we'll jump into the NBA. A lot of people have been waiting for that for me to talk about my interesting relationship with the NBA and my love for James Harden. So stick around. It's coming right up right after this from Anchor. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, people, cozy up for some real personal story time, because that's what everyone's looking for in a sports podcast. Well, ready or not, here it comes. I'm about to tell you about my history with basketball, the NBA. I think you'll learn a lot about me in the process. Um, This is something I wanted to do kind of in an article form, and maybe I'll write the article at some point. But you know what? That would be so cool if I wrote the article. And again, something cool that I kind of do with the podcast where I'll just 
come up with an idea in the middle and I'll spit it out because I can't keep my mouth closed. I don't have a filter, but um, I think it's cool that the podcast has something where it's like, I'm learning how to make a podcast. I'm learning how to do these things. And I just kind of keep that transparent with the audience um, because the audience is four people, like two friends and my parents and my wife. So five people. So <laughs> I guess um, because it's such an intimate audience, I feel comfortable being able to do these things, but these things, but I really appreciate that. And hopefully that will turn into something where even if the audience does grow, I will feel comfortable to do things like this in the future. So that's awesome. Thank you guys for uh, making me feel that way. Um, and let's get into it. Oh, so <laughs> what I was going to say was that I'll record this. And then when I go back and do the article, I like quote myself. Rami was quoted saying, I, should I do it in third person? Maybe. Okay. Um, let's start with why I didn't have a relationship with the NBA, why I didn't like basketball. So growing up, uh, my family moved to Israel overseas. Uh, I was a kid in elementary school. And in my elementary school and then middle school, there were a lot of American kids. So it was an American community in Israel. Um, yes, that exists for those of you who don't know. Um and I had a lot of English speaking friends and a lot of American friends. And during recesses, we'd play football and baseball, actually. So not soccer. We would play football, American football and baseball. So those were my two favorite sports. Uh, my father actually started a Friday baseball league, which then was taken over and uh, by someone else. And I continued playing. Um, so basically, I played a lot of American sports and spoke a lot of English growing up. Now, what's interesting is the Israelis played a lot of soccer, but the Israelis also played uh, a lot of basketball. Um, if you know Israel, super into basketball, um, just ask Amari Stoudemire. Amari is uh, now he's like the face of basketball in Israel, or I guess him and Omri Caspi. Um, well, now Denny of Dia is uh, was drafted by the Wizards. So we'll see what he does. But again, basketball is huge in Israel. So all the Israeli kids would play basketball. It was kind of more violent than when we would play tackle football. Like the Americans would go out and play tackle football. And these, you'd watch the Israelis on the concrete playing basketball. Um, and there was way less finesse and way more violence in basketball. So my relationship with basketball was, wow, that's a violent sport that only Israelis play. <laughs> I'm out. So that's just why I didn't really play basketball. And I, I knew my father was super into basketball. He would watch basketball. He would play basketball on our block. And I guess that's how it started. Started, I would play basketball on our block. They would, we had some neighbors. Um, they would all play basketball. They'd get together once a week to play basketball and, um, I guess a couple of times they needed like a third or sixth or whatever it was for threes or for two on two. They needed a fourth. Um, and I was the only one there. I was, you know, going into high school and a kid who should like basketball and I hated it and I was terrible at it because I never played. Um, but they wanted me to play basketball with them because I guess they just really needed a body. So I knew my father was super into basketball. We'd start playing a little bit. I was terrible. Still am. Don't claim to be great at basketball. So uh, and then I guess somehow or another, I just kind of got into it. The most incredible thing that happened in the first year that I was really starting to get into basketball was I was in ninth grade and I was a big Knicks fan. They had just gotten Carmelo Anthony. They already had Amari Stoudemire. So think about that. I don't even remember the terrible Knicks. I remember the Knicks after they got Amari. And a lot of you who probably know me and know that I'm a big Knicks fan don't realize that when I became a Knicks fan, it was like, I mean, I was obviously aware of the NBA. I was very aware of LeBron James. I was very aware of him going to Miami. I was always very into sports talk and sports talk radio 
I was listening to sports and watching sports all day. I was obviously aware of all these things, but I wasn't such a big fan. When they lost out on LeBron and got Amari, I knew they lost out on LeBron, but I didn't know about this guy Amari. I just, you know, didn't really know who he was, um, which is crazy. Uh, so I guess living in Israel, I did live somewhat of a sheltered life. So I guess you could say that. I was too busy watching uh, the Yankees win the World Series. I don't know what was happening around that time. But that wasn't the most amazing thing that happened. The most amazing thing that happened in the first year that I was aware of basketball was a young point guard named Jeremy Lin. Uh, everyone remembers Linsanity. And that's really when I became super into basketball. I watched every single one of those games. After he came into the league and took the league by storm, I I didn't miss a game. I was locked in. I was so into the sport. I'd never seen my father so into a sport in my life. Um, my father watched the World Series games with me when the Yankees were in it. He watched the AFC Championship games when the Jets were in it with me. We watched a lot of sports together growing up. Um, that's going to be another article. It's going to be another. I could write a book about my relationship with sports and my father. But despite all that, this was the first time in my life that I felt he really cared that I was into this. I'd never seen him be so into a sport the way I saw him here. And none of my siblings are sports fans. And so we always kind of had that special thing, but he never cared that I was into a sport as much as he cared when I was into the Knicks and Jeremy Lin. So naturally, like I said, with Madden 07, many years before that, he bought me NBA 2K and I was going to learn how to play basketball learn kind of how the game flows and learn the players and all that from uh, playing 2K. I think that actually came a little bit before Jeremy Lin. That's why I started kind of getting into the NBA. And what we used to do is me and my father would play PlayStation against each other. He would he, he would be the uh, NBA 1992 dream team. And I would take the current next with uh, Mello and Stat and whoever was on the team, Jeremy Lin. Um, and we'd play against each other. And it was actually competitive games till he started getting better at uh 2k and then we'd go outside and we play real basketball and those games started becoming competitive when i got better at basketball but they still aren't really that competitive <laughs> that bad my father is nearly 50 i'm in well he's in better shape than i am also so yeah more pathetic things about my life but um that's not the point the point is that he's obsessed with basketball and I started getting so into it that season. And to me, as a New York sports fan, I've seen the Jets. I saw the Giants win a Super Bowl. I saw the Yankees win a World Series. I had never seen the city, the entire city of New York, rally around the team the way they rallied around the Knicks when they were decent. And just rally around the Jeremy Lin story and that whole season. So what kind of turn me on because sports is something interesting where there's obviously a disconnect there's real life and then there's sports and i'm not trying to blur that line there is a obvious line but i think there are a lot of things you could learn from sports to real life and vice versa and the community aspect and just the sense of kind of togetherness and everyone pulling on the same side of the rope that you get in sports you see people from all different backgrounds and a whole city come together and root for something it's something I've always been enamored with my whole life. And to watch a whole city rally behind a little Asian guy from Harvard, honestly, was incredible. It was the most incredible thing I'd ever seen. But little did I know that was just the tip of the iceberg. The next year, the 54-win season, 
obviously Jeremy Lin wasn't there anymore. I had never heard the garden crowd that electric. Um, it's actually funny. There's, you can probably find this on YouTube in, uh, after, uh, the hurricane in New York, um, Sandy, they did a Sandy relief concert on 12, 12, 12 in 2012. And they sang Adam Sandler, same, some sort of song about the hurricane. And when he mentions the Knicks and how they're good that year, the crowd erupts in a way that you just cannot describe. The, the concert was at Madison Square Garden. That city is a basketball city. And the way that city got behind the Knicks at the garden during that season, go watch YouTube clips. If you don't want the Knicks to be good after watching YouTube highlights from that year, if you don't watch the Knicks beat the Bulls the year prior, that was the Jeremy Lin season after he had already gotten hurt, and you watch Carmelo Anthony's three to tie the game and his three to ultimately win it in overtime, and you don't, you're not like, oh my God, this team needs to be good for the NBA. This is, is great for the NBA for this team to be good. I mean, you're crazy. You can't not watch that and just have those feelings of just the guard. It's the most electric thing in the world. Um, I went to my first NBA basketball game, uh, December 4th of 2014, LeBron's first year back in Cleveland after being in Miami. Um, and I went to the game. My father took me to the game. I remember it was a huge moment for both of us. We went to Madison Square Garden. Now, generally winters, I was in Israel. So we missed out on the NBA season because it was during the school year, um, but that year, I happened to have been there for four days. And the night I landed, I landed that morning. That night, we went to the Knicks game. So obviously, again, my father was very into it. And he was so excited to take me to a game. And he was talking to me about, you know, seeing LeBron James versus what it was like to see some of the other games greats, Michael. And he, the one I remember him specifically talking about is he told me he, would, he saw Charles Barkley when he was on the Sixers. Um, so some of those amazing experiences and after the game, I wasn't expecting it, but he somehow got family passes, humble brag here, but we met the entire Cavs team other than LeBron James. <laughs> Funny story, actually. I'm not remembering who it was now, but one of the guys came out from the tunnel and these girls shrieked and he turns and goes, sorry, I'm not LeBron. <laughs> it was hilarious. I'll remember, of course, after I record the podcast, who it was, maybe Haywood. I don't remember the name, um, but we met Kyrie. We met Kevin Love, Dion Waiter, some of those guys. It was really an awesome experience. And a few years later, I actually went back, met Carmelo, Derek Rose. Um, so I've met a bunch of NBA players. Uh, actually, Odell Beckham Jr. was there at my first uh, basketball game. It was about a week and a half after he made the one-handed catch against the Cowboys. So I had never been – I never experienced a sports event quite like the Knicks – Madison Square, Square Garden. Um, and the Knicks were terrible that year. I mean, at that point, I think they lost that game. They called a travel on Carmelo late after he scored a bucket that would have taken the lead. That was the year they wound up trading J.R. Smith and Iman Shumper back to the Cavaliers, but it was before they traded them. So I think the Knicks were 4-12 and 12 or something at that point um, and en route to just an awful season. But point is, I had never experienced anything like that. And I started really becoming into basketball. Now where my relationship with basketball is interesting is the way the NBA is, it's five players and high scoring, high flying, lots of athleticism. And so what happens is, is individual play is more prominent than in any other sport. And I'm very into team game. 
like I said, I, there are a lot of parallels I like between sports and real life. I don't like the moving around, the lack of commitment. Like I said, I love when, you know, a city can rally behind not just a jersey, but a team, some players. I love that stuff. So I have issues with the NBA. There are, there are certain issues that I take with the NBA, and that's not really what I'm trying to get into here. My main thing was I just got into it later in life. And so I just wasn't as into the NBA as the other sports. But when the Knicks are good, there's nothing I want to watch more. Obviously, the Knicks stink, and that probably plays a role in it. But I don't know. It's just I have I can't even describe it. I came on here trying to talk about my relationship with the NBA, and I can't really put it into words. So I guess I'm going to have to write an article and then come on here and read it in Morgan Freeman's voice. That's what you wanted me to do. You guys tricked me. You got me. Done. But one thing I do want to talk about is I always talk about James Harden. I'm so glad I waited till tonight to talk about this because there was just another trade today or last night when John Wall was traded from the Wizards to the Rockets for Russell Westbrook and a first round pick actually went to the Rockets. So first of all, well, I think Russell Westbrook is not a great player. He's a statistically great player. He's great athletically and all that stuff. But I think he's not the type of player who helps your team win. And there's a lot of that in the NBA. <laughs> this is another thing with the NBA. People get so enamored with certain players and they forget that it's all about winning. It's all about, a, I don't know, there's just the lack of motivation to win a lack of competitiveness in the nba i think i think everyone's kind of buddy buddy it's a family league they're always switching teams i don't know that's just my feeling about the nba one guy who made it to the nba finals when he was very young he's coming off the bench was james harden he got a taste of it and then he was traded and became the face of the face of a franchise now granted there are so many things you could say about james harden because he brought in Chris Paul. That wasn't good enough for him. They didn't win. He brought in Russell Westbrook. That wasn't good enough for him. They didn't win. Now he's gone. I get it. But no team has come closer to beating the Warriors as he did with Chris Paul that time. I mean, this is a guy who became the face of the franchise and took on that role and was like, okay, I'm going to make this franchise great again. I'm going to bring in my guys. Maybe I'll have to make a couple moves here and there, but I'm going to be so good. He's won a couple MVPs. He could have won it the Westbrook year. He could have won it the second uh, or the first Curry year, one of the Curry years. If you look at what he does, it's just something you've never, ever seen. I, I watch a lot of, you know, highlights from the NBA, a lot of older stuff, some stuff from before I was a fan to try and kind of learn the game more. Um, some stuff from before I was born, historical stuff. James Harden is unlike anyone I have ever seen in my entire life. He reinvented a game that everyone just copycats. Everyone's copycats in all sports. It's a copycat league. You hear that all the time. James Harden is not. And I've never seen anyone duplicate what he does. He is one of one. There only was ever one James Harden. There only will be one James Harden. You see a guy do something. You see another guy try it. You see other guys try and do this, do that. Every kid coming into the league now is trying to shoot threes from half court and whatever because curry did it when they were in high school so now they're doing it the way james harden plays the kind of really slow but so quick simultaneously 
that he lulls you to sleep, the step back three, the passing, which is so underrated. This guy's a point guard. He is not a shooting guard. He is a point guard. He sets up the floor like no one else. The way he spreads the floor, people don't like it. I get it. You can have a hard time with it. It's not as entertaining as watching LeBron or Curry or any of these guys. I think it is the most entertaining because it's the most unique and the most effective. He can get to the rim and score a layup by just dancing a little bit and blowing by you. Or he steps back for three. You're caught in the middle. And he draws fouls better than anyone. James Harden is the greatest point getter of all time. That's all I'm going to say. You need a point no matter what way. No matter against who. One-on-one. Double team him. I'm taking James Harden. The guy's just beyond... that. That's why. That's the only reason why I love James Harden. I love that he has been committed for this long to Houston. Although, obviously, that's wavering now. And he's just different. He's a guy who's his own entity. He's a just something we've never seen. Something we've never seen even imitated or attempted. If somebody tried to do that weird three-step travel step back that he does and he's kind of made his own, they would look stupid. Nobody does what he does. Nobody plays his style. It's just so different. And I think it's the most effective. Three points we know are more is more than two. The Daryl Morey theory is obviously great. I'm curious to see what's going to happen now. I still think the best situation for James Harden is to go to Daryl Morey, go to Philadelphia, that trade with Ben Simmons going back, I think that trade could happen. Obviously, I think Philadelphia would have to put give up a lot in addition to Ben Simmons. But that would rock the East, and the East needs to be rocked because there are no good teams in the East. I think the Russell Westbrook trade was a great trade for Houston. Not Houston, sorry, for Washington because they got a guy who's going to play 82 games. I know it's not an 82-game season this year, but plays 82 games, going to play about 40 minutes a game. And every single one of those 40 minutes, he's going to be going hard. Yeah, sometimes you're like, what are you doing, Westbrook? Why are you just pulling up with 20 seconds left in the shot clock from for three? You're not a good shooter. Like, He's going to do some stuff that's going to drive you insane, but no one will play harder than him. And that's what I love, uh, you know, what I hear and what I watch in videos, now documentaries about Michael Jordan is – his competitiveness pushed him so hard to the next level, always going so hard. And I think James Harden has that competitiveness. You don't see it because it's just a different style. It's a style none of us have seen. So people don't know what to do with it. People get so shocked. They're like, oh my God, we can't know. This can't be great. This is, uh, he's slow. He travels. He just draws fouls. He flops. First of all, everyone flops in the league. Everyone travels. He's just done something that no one else has done. No one else can do clearly. That's why I love Killian Hayes. He's the first guy who's even trying, attempting to look like James Harden. So that's, those are my opinions about James Harden. You can agree or disagree. I don't care. Um, that's just how I feel about James Harden. That's kind of my feeling about the NBA. I think the Knicks are headed in the right direction. I've heard a bunch of people saying, how many years in a row do you want the Knicks just to tank? I don't want them to tank this year. If they were the seventh seed, I'd be more than happy. I just don't want them to trade their whole future for this year because it's not worth it. We're not playing for this year. Um, I did love Austin Rivers comments. Austin Rivers said in this league today, everyone's just copying each other. Everyone wants to go to a place. That's already a great place. Nobody wants to make a place. Great. I came here to make the garden and the Mecca of basketball. Great again. Can he do it? I don't think so. He's freaking Austin Rivers, but 
I love the comment. I love the attitude. I love that. So, um, okay, it's NBA, so I got to say it. LeBron James is now signed through 2023 um, with an $85 million contract. He's worth it and more. You think about what the Lakers were pre-LeBron James. Now, post-LeBron James, they're probably the finals, the favorites to win the finals again as Anthony Davis re-signed as well uh, for five years. We'll see what happens after the two-year extension with LeBron. A lot of people are looking at that and saying, oh, he wants to play with his kid. That's when Bronny's going to be ready for the NBA. We'll see what happens. Still a long way away. Uh, so I don't want to get into that too much. But that's my NBA take. I'm probably going to listen back to this and be like, I could have said this. I could have said that. Maybe there were more. But now you get a little bit of a taste for it. Now I'm going to hear the feedback. And once I hear the feedback from this, I'm going to obviously talk about it a little bit more. Um, and that's it. I'm trying to think the next thing I'm going to do is probably football. Maybe I'll do that 3-3-3 thing again. Maybe I'll do it on Tuesday um, or just after the week's games because um, I don't want to overload with podcasts. I want people to listen to the current episodes that are out, although I want to keep producing and producing because I love doing it. Um, I always have something to say. So that's what I'm going to do for now. That's all. I'm going to wrap it up with that. Okay, that pretty much wraps it up. Guys, let me know how you feel about this new sound. I'm still going to be playing with the settings, so I do want to hear all the feedback. Um, I have a feeling I'm going to be doing a lot more NBA shows because I actually had a really good time. Probably going to have my dad on at some point, and then we'll actually really talk NBA. Until then, I'm going to hit you with some Jovi. See ya.
just a mile to road. Take it in, take it with you when you go. We said you can't.